0: Welcome to Head to Heart Podcast, I'm your host Jenny Markham. This bi-weekly podcast is designed to be a safe space to admit what we truly believe in our hearts. We all know the difference between just having biblical knowledge floating around in our heads and actually believing that it's true. Until God's truth makes its way into our hearts, nothing changes. We'll be doing a mix of solo episodes and interviews with friends who have experienced the freedom that comes when head knowledge becomes heart knowledge. We'll talk about overcoming lies in our relationships, mental health struggles, and the way we see ourselves. The truth will set you free so that you can walk every day in the freedom God desires for you. It's time to let go of the pressures, insecurities, and burdens that's not yours to carry. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Head to Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Markham if you're tuning into this episode today, I just want to say thank you. I am flattered that you would just click on this episode to listen to. So welcome to the party. I'm here with a very, very dear friend of mine. And she has been on this podcast before. Her name is Victoria Hedger. Say hello. Hey, so this is her second time. She's a two timer. (laughs) Yeah, so veteran, if you will. A veteran, yes. You have two medals on your coat. (laughs) So, Victoria, why don't you introduce yourself? Feel free to say anything you did before or anything other than what you said last time. You know, shake it up a bit.
1: Hello. My name is Victoria Hedger. I'm 22 years old, currently living in Indiana. But we'll soon be relocating to Minneapolis, which I am just so stinking excited for.
0: Heyo.
1: <laughs> uh, well, you know what? Actually, first, I should tell you that I have a kid. because that's <laughs> <laughs> You should know
0: before I tell you the fun <laughs> thing about me that I have a
1: child. <laughs> I just feel like that's so important. I don't know. Every time I talk to new people, I'm like, um, you should know. I'm a mom. By the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah, my husband and I have been married coming up on two years. And we just had our first baby together in January. And it's been just the most incredible thing ever. Okay, so now a fun fact about me. Is Well, you know, I guess this will only seem fun if you actually know me. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I used to be a competition cheerleader. Oh, my gosh.
0: Did you know that? Jenny? Wait, did I already know that? I don't know. I can't remember. But yeah. Competition, like not just for football games in school, mm-hmm. but like going to cheerleading competitions and competing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did not know that. I am. <laughs> shocked that is a fun fact for everyone who cannot picture victoria right now (laughs) because (laughs) (laughs) that is the last thing i would ever guess about you (laughs) yeah it's a bit of a shocker (laughs) wow and uh what possessed you to do that (laughs) (laughs) um you know well i think it's like in everybody's blood to like
1: want to be physically active and all of my friends at the time were in competition cheer Mm -hmm. And uh, it was really fun, but, yeah, just not really built for that.
0: I, wow. (laughs) I feel like I have even more respect for you now. (laughs) 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 Wow, perfect. Okay, the question of the hour. Here we go. Victoria, what have you been set free from? Oh, man, so many different things.
1: But I think today I'm here particularly to talk about fear of man. So that's something that recently God has given me a lot of freedom in. And I mean, it's an everyday, like we take up our cross every morning when we wake up. So it's an everyday battle, um, or I guess everyday process. The Really the root of all of this is shame. Um, and I think every human being ever to live ever (laughs) in all of eternity uh, has kind of grappled with and lived with shame I mean it started in the garden right (laughs) that's so it's so hard to kind of pinpoint where it started because I feel like I've experienced and dealt with shame my entire life but I would I would say you know probably around the time I was in junior high is when I really started recognizing uh, my like negative relationship with my body and how I viewed myself um, and just felt a lot of shame for the way that God created me, whether that be the way I look or the way I talk or what have you. And then, you know, years down the line, I graduate high school. I think, you know, I think a lot of high school graduates can maybe relate to this, but I really thought that I had it figured out. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. wow, I like, I know myself. I'm I'm a senior in high school and I'm just a big kid. <laughs> and <laughs> to me, like the way that I represented myself to people was really important um, because I wanted to be perceived correctly, <laughs> uh, which is just so silly because in In, like, that desire to be perceived authentically or correctly, it kind of just put me in a place where I was constantly putting on a show, which is, like, the opposite of Mm -hmm. authenticity. Mm -hmm. And so I really put a lot of stock into, like, what my hair looked like and the clothes I wore and the shoes I wore, just, like, my image in general, which is also ironic considering what I really wanted to be was authentic, but I was focusing so much on shallow things like image. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I got to college and I think maybe what had been resting or I had been kind of avoiding because of that feeling of shame. I mean, it's like the most dreadful feeling in our human experience, I think, um, came to light because I was like in a, I, I don't know. I mean, when you, whenever you uproot yourself from what is normal and put yourself, in a brand new situation, surrounded by all new people, you are really forced to, um, I don't know, to really look in the mirror. And because all of a sudden things that were just kind of casual and unnoticed before, are you're hypersensitive to. And so I remember getting to college in like 2018. And I just like I was having a really hard time and I hated the way that I looked and just never felt comfortable or confident and a lot of it had to do with just feeling shame again I'm gonna say that word probably a lot but for what I perceived as like not measuring up or not being good enough because I felt like an outcast from all the other women on campus you know like I felt like man am I even Am I even gentle enough to be like a Christian woman? Am I, I, my, I have a shaved head. My hair's not long. Like everybody else here is really long, beautiful hair. I mean, I use everybody else very generally. It's not mm-hmm. true. But that's what it felt like was like, I'm the only one that looks like this. And I'm, that makes me like undesirable and wrong. And so that was, that. that was just kind of like a small slice of, the whole cake of crappiness (laughs) that I was kind of, like, sorting through once I got to college. And then I left college, and I got married, and then, like, a year later, I started to really experience a lot of freedom from shame in a very general sense, and started to really reconnect with Yahweh on, like, a personal level that I had been missing for a long time because of this like really intense journey I was going through with my faith and mental health. Um, So I just, I started to really feel this like rekindling. I mean, nothing had changed on God's part. Obviously, we know that he's always present and always the same. But I felt like the work I had been doing in therapy and um, interpersonally, like my friends there uh, where I was living in Cincinnati and my husband just a whole plethora of things that were helping me make steps to getting better I I was improving and it was just a really like incredible feeling to to be to be like okay again well when you remove shame and you really believe that God uh, that Christ scorned shame on the cross then like, it relieves you of all of these pressures and like all of this striving that you've been doing, I guess Mm -hmm. I'll speak for myself, that I've been doing. And it makes me say, okay, well, if there's nothing to be ashamed of, then like, I don't have to keep trying to prove myself. And like, I am good enough. Well, I guess, no, (laughs) the point is I'm not good enough and that's okay. And there's nothing Mm -hmm. to be ashamed of and uh so that's kind of where I was resting and I mean joyfully resting and like finally I feel like I just figured out this like massive concept that we're taught about from the beginning as Christians but it's really hard to grasp and I feel like God just was so faithful to give me that wisdom and like open my heart up to really understand and receive his grace for me. Mm-hmm. Um So then as time was going on, you know, I mean, this is an everyday thing. So every day, I'm still learning more about his grace and learning how to let go of shame. But as time went on, um my husband and I found out we were pregnant, which was very difficult at first. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it quickly became like, the most incredible thing we've ever gotten to experience together. So Throughout pregnancy I well I was pregnant through the summer and summertime I'm sure for anybody out there who deals with body image issues, you know summertime is just particularly difficult because it's hot outside, your more of your body is showing than usual, and it's just generally kind of uncomfortable. Um, and then on top of that I was pregnant. So I was just like I was growing out of all of my clothes and I wasn't really, I, I, um, I'm a very small person and so I never struggled with the idea of gaining weight and I, and I didn't throughout pregnancy. I'm really thankful that that wasn't a struggle. But just feeling uncomfortable in your body at all, regardless of the size, is like, it's really difficult. Um, so as my pregnancy went on, you know, I wasn't fitting into any of my pants anymore and I wasn't wearing, I wasn't able to wear the same the same style of clothes because well I mean frankly I'd grown out of all of them and then also I just had this like like I said I was really obsessed with how my clothes represented my identity Mm -hmm. um and all of a sudden like I couldn't wear those same clothes anymore and that style was not appropriate for my body size or shape or what have you and so to me what should have just been like no problem at all like I should have just been like oh it's okay these are just clothes Mm -hmm. Um, to me it like really made me question who I was and like well if I can't look a certain way then like what does that mean for how
0: people perceive me and what does that mean for who I am I just want to say I feel like this is important to your story is that no matter what Whoever listener is listening to this, how they feel about the Enneagram, <laughs> whether they love it or hate it or have a love-hate relationship somewhere in the middle, you are a four on the Enneagram, correct? Yes, correct. Yes. And so I feel like that does kind of play into this in that yeah, four's core desire is, what is it? To be authentic. Yes. Well, to be significant really is what it mm-hmm. is. I yeah. feel like that was playing into you wanted to show up as you truly were yet were are outgrowing the the clothes and the outward things that could potentially show people that right right yeah I mean that
1: is exactly it <laughs> I I remember once I mean the closer I got to my son arriving I was like oh my gosh now not only can I not wear any of these clothes I don't know will any of them even fit me postpartum I'm going to be a mom. Can I still be edgy? <laughs> like, <laughs> <heck> yeah, <laughs> like, you know, what does that mean for how I represent myself? Mm-hmm. Do I even want to be edgy? Like, is that really what, is that really who I am? Like asking all of these questions, um, all stemming from, you know, my the clothes I wear and the clothes I wasn't able to wear, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I went through a little bit of a freak out there at the end. <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, cut all my hair off again, like threw out all my clothes and went to Goodwill and, uh, you know, the, the things, all of the things. So mm. all of that was going on and it was like, I mean, it sounds so silly now. I mean, even to me, listening to myself speak, I'm like, all of that was so shallow. Why was I so wrapped up in that? Like, keep, I'm somebody who really wants to keep my priorities straight. And like, I think it's really important that we have our eyes set on the kingdom. And, and that, that, that is where our values come from, you know? Mm -hmm. And so even just listening to myself speak, I'm like, man, I was so wrapped up in, in shallow things. But anyways, so then on January 4th of 2022, I gave birth to my son at six, wait, no. 4 4.49 p.m. And it was the best day of my life. (laughs) And uh, so then as I I came home, you know, I mean, anybody who has not been pregnant or given birth, you don't know this or you haven't experienced this yet, but it's really intense after you give birth, the hormones, all these hormones that were raging through your body and um, helping you and your baby stay healthy through pregnancy they're all in your placenta, essentially. And you, you don't have your placenta after you give birth. And so you have this huge hormone drop off, and it's really intense. Um, It can feel really intense those first few weeks. Um, So I, you know, really went through that. And God was with me in that as he always is. Um, But it was still really intense and still had me asking all those questions. Like, I mean, even even bigger questions now, like, I was feeling really anxious about everything. And so I was just asking, man, are we even supposed to be missionaries? Are we even supposed to be living where we are? Like, who Mm -hmm. are we, (laughs) you know? So it just kind of amplified all of those feelings I had during pregnancy. And then I don't know how it happened. I think, honestly, I was just kind of looking for ways to simultaneously distract and calm my mind in that time. And so Mm -hmm. I was um, watching a lot of YouTube videos about homesteading (laughs) which is like a beautiful philosophy and practice of just I mean taking care of your home and really the way that I heard it described that was um, the most simple and made the most sense is you're getting back to the art of doing things for yourself you know eating out less slowing down cooking your food, taking the time to really make sure the work you do is quality and unto the Lord, even in your home. And it just like really struck a chord with me. And I, li- I literally felt like something just woke up inside of me. And I was like, who the heck am I living for? Like, why am I so caught up in who I think I am, who I think I should be, how I want others to think of me when like none of that matters. All of the work I do my entire life, it's, it's for Christ. And yeah, I mean, the two just don't mix. Um, I have Proverbs 29 pulled up here. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Mm -hmm. And so I just remember feeling like I want to work with my hands. And like, I mean, something also just about having a child makes you really curious again and makes you, obviously you want the best for your child. And so I really started questioning like all this food that we were consuming. I mean, these are all just examples. Um, it goes, it's much more of a philosophy than anything, but I started questioning like what are in the vaccines that they're giving him at the pediatrician? What, what food, like what's in the food that we're consuming whether that's from Chick-fil-A or the grocery store, like, what is it? What are, what's going into my body? That's the nourishing my son or not nourishing my son. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know. It just, everything all of a sudden just became much more clear. All of my priorities became a lot more clear because now I have this other human to take care of and everything. I mean, the way I live my life, that is how he's going to learn and grow. It's not going to be by the words I say to him or how many times I put him in time out. It's, he's, he's going to see the way I live my life. And if I'm, if, I, if my priorities aren't straight and I'm constantly obsessing over how others perceive me, I mean, that's how he's, that's how he's going to learn to survive too. And like, I knew, oh my gosh, I do not want that for him. I want him to feel free of shame. Mm-hmm. And I want him to know that he doesn't have to strive and I want him to know that what other people think of him is totally unimportant and all those things are going to fade away and in the end all we're going to have is is Christ. And in a lot of ways this perception or identity that I wanted others to have of me was just like so curated. Like Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I wanted to be a specific type of person that I just wasn't and and like i had a really hard time letting go of that because i felt like i was losing myself or something mm-hmm. but once i just started saying okay god like i just i want to listen to my body and i want to listen to like the creativity and the desires that you put in my heart i don't want to try and like muster up the skills or strength or courage to be or look a certain way when it's just not natural for me. Like, I, I really want to be tuned in to what my body needs and and what my mind needs to, like, feel comfortable and feel feel expressed, you know? So, yeah, I started trying to do that. Um, <laughs> I mean, in it, in little ways, you know? For me, that looks like just wearing whatever I want to. And, like, when I start to really obsess over well, if I wear this, what is that, like, what are these types of people going to think of me? And if I look this way, if I do my makeup this way, what are these people going to think of me? Mm
0: -hmm. And,
1: or, (laughs) this might sound silly, but, like, for me, I have never, ever felt comfortable shaving my body, (laughs) ever. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, as we know, that's, culturally, in the West, that's a very Normal thing for women to do, mm-hmm. and so for me this summer, I'm trying to just be like, Okay, I want to wear dresses and skirts, I would have never done that ever in a million years. Like years ago, it, I, it made me so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So, I've really been trying to practice just putting clothes on that make me comfortable and not caring about what body hair is showing or what have you. And it, it all still sounds really silly, but it is. Been really important to me that even in those ways I'm not listening or giving into shame, but just letting myself be. In the end, what I've learned is, you know, our ambition to work hard and to be let our just let ourselves be and rest and stop striving and um really stop some. I mean, all of that comes from shame and that's it's like a spider web of things and that's tied into pride and tied into the fear of man and like my goal for this year was really to just <clears throat> start tuning into my intuition that God's given me and um, I mean even that alone is listening to God I think it yeah. uh, and really spending more time in the word and like doing that cognitive work to like dismantle the shame that's taken root in my life for so long so that I can just freely live for Christ and rest in his grace and end that, that striving and
0: end that performance and just like, just be, you know? Wow. Yes. That's amazing. And even the little things that you said as you repeat them back to yourself now may sound silly, like what I wear, what I do with my hair or body hair. Those things aren't silly because anyone who thinks like, well, no, I don't think I have any shame around that or, or how I look or how people think of me, just like challenge them to not do something they normally do. Like, okay, women don't shave your legs in the summertime and there's like this automatic resistance of like oh my gosh i can't do that like what were right, people going right. to say because a lot of times we don't you know make changes until the cost of not changing is too great to just stay the same right right so yeah i mean that's exact that's exactly it because
1: yeah i think ultimately the way that my body or the way that my body grows hair the clothes i wear those things aren't important but to me what is important is like i said dismantling that shame Mm -hmm. And like you said, that the cost of it, I mean, it was, it wasn't until I had a kid that I realized, oh, the cost of me living my entire life submitted to shame and the fear of man instead of the fear of God is that this, I mean, I have the greatest responsibility in literally shaping and mentoring this tiny life that God cares about so much. And like, how am I supposed to just be comfortable with the cost of that, you know, like, how am I supposed to go on living in shame instead of grace and like, be okay with that, you know? Right. So that's exactly right.
0: Yeah. And I think that this is a phrase we hear a lot is that we could say to ourselves like, well, I, I just don't want to care what others think about me. But if we did that, literally a hundred percent of the time we'd be sociopaths because a (laughs) sociopath is someone who lives completely disregarded of the care or presence of others and we don't want to be that we don't want to be sociopaths right right (laughs) right what is how should we rephrase that
1: I would say well I agree and I've never really liked that saying either like I don't want to care what other people think of me because I don't actually think it's that helpful like because the problem is not necessarily caring what other people think but it's the shame behind it so like I care a lot about my husband I care about how he feels I care about how the things I do and say affect him um, and like, that's just compassion, you know, like, yeah, and that's a healthy partnership. Um, now, if he had expectations of me, rooted in shame, that would be different. Like, if he told me, you should be shaving your legs, that's disgusting. Hmm. I would say, okay, well, <laughs> no, <laughs> that was a little rude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That was a little mean. But uh, <laughs> But I, I mean, yes, that obviously would be like the first, <laughs> the first <laughs> issue would be like, okay, don't talk to me like that probably. But, um, but ultimately, like, where's that coming from? That's coming from shame because shame doesn't just involve you. Like shame infects the people around you too. Mm-hmm. So like, that's also something I've had to work on. Um, there are things that I have internalized shame about for my whole life that my husband feels no shame about. And even like I will feel shame for him when when Mm -hmm. he does or says those things that I've felt shame about for so long. And it makes me like it makes me feel disgusted towards him and not Mm -hmm. because he's disgusting, but because of shame. That's that's really strong language, but it's true. Like, yeah, that's that's what shame does to you. It makes you feel gross and it makes you feel tainted. And so you know, when you see other people doing the same thing that makes you ashamed of your body, or, you know, the way that you are, uh, you're still going to have that same visceral reaction, you know?
0: Right. So
1: anyways, yeah, if my husband said that to me, like, you should be shaving your legs, because that's gross, I would say, well, that's not true. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's just shame. God created me this way. It's okay for me to not shave and and also the other way around like if I felt more comfortable shaving you know it's okay I don't have to give in to shame no matter which way that goes so I guess yeah in synopsis there's a difference between being compassionate and being a good neighbor than not caring what others think of you or, or not caring about the shame that others might project onto you right that's really good
0: so we hear the phrases fear of man and fear of God from scripture. Would you define both of those for us? Because maybe we wouldn't say, well, I'm afraid of people or I'm afraid of God, but those aren't the same thing. So how would you define right. those? Yeah, I guess uh, <laughs> I would say I'm afraid of
1: people, <laughs> but um but okay, I guess to, to maybe use different vocabulary that might resonate better with others. I would say to fear God is to revere him. Mm-hmm. And I would use the same language, I guess, to draw that contrast. I would use the same language for fear of man and fear of, of God. Like, <clears throat> are you revering people or are you revering God? And when you use a word like revere, I mean, obviously, any Christian is going to be like, no, I can't revere people like I'm revering God. He is who my affections belong to. And, and I worship him, not people. Mm -hmm. So I guess I guess maybe that
0: would be a word I would use. Right. I was in church today, as it is Sunday. And we actually (laughs) talked about John 12. And it was so funny, because I knew we were going to record this after I came back from church. But we talked about how some people in the synagogue, when Jesus was teaching, the word says that they believed in Jesus as he was teaching them, but they didn't follow him because the fear of man outweighed their fear of God. And I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. And that's, I mean, those, that's the exact same concept that I
1: had to weigh out. Like when I knew I was becoming a mom and I was obsessing over all these things, over who I'm going to be. How others are going to perceive me now that I'm a mom? Like, what does that mean for my identity? I had to just, like, stop myself and be like, am I am I going to just waste my time, like, this precious time that God's given me, fearing people mm-hmm. and, I mean, disobeying him in that? Or am I going to follow him, you know?
0: Right. And... Even as you're talking in your story about certain things you would feel shame of or feel insecure about, we all have our own insecurities and they don't always look the same for every person. Mm -hmm. So what can different masks that we put on look like in different people's lives? Because insecurity doesn't manifest itself all the same way. To me, shame, pride, and fear of man are like (laughs) all... Hmm.
1: one big bundle Um, like they all work in tandem together so I mean it can look like so many different things it can look exactly the way it feels it can make you feel make somebody um, isolate and you know maybe not take very good care of themselves or or even uh, subject themselves to harmful things, like substances or abuse or, like, sexual promiscuity, obviously, this is, I'm, by no means, any, all of those things can all make a person a victim as well, so I'm by no means victim-blaming, but it is, like, our, in our propensity to act out of how we feel, and if somebody experiences shame for their body or their sexuality then sometimes people's reactions and responses are to okay then I feel this way I guess that's how I'm going to act you know Mm -hmm. yeah I think it can also look like a workaholic (laughs) and something that kills me is
0: um (laughs) know-it-alls oh yeah um you, you know want to prove yourself to yes to kind of yeah. like override the feeling of I'm not good enough
1: yeah exactly and you know I am not immune to being a know at all but they definitely every single time they get right under my skin and then I'm like man why am I upset about this like maybe they just need to be listened to you know <laughs> yeah. um, maybe that's that's what they need that's what they're asking for. I feel like shame has so many different faces and the fear of man drives us to do such crazy things sometimes, you know, like yeah. things that if, if we just uh, were okay with ourselves and unashamed of ourselves, we wouldn't otherwise
0: do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there is hope. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Since there is hope, we don't actually have to, we don't have to act out of the insecurities that we feel all the time, but it does take some some scary steps of vulnerability sometimes to get to that place. So how would you advise the people listening, just some steps you can take to lay down those insecurities and, you know, be vulnerable with yourself and others.
1: Well, I I actually was just thinking about this recently because uh, I was telling my husband the other day, like, I feel really insecure about my body hair But I, shaving is just painful for me and I don't want to do it and it's uncomfortable. So I'm just, my goal this summer is to just learn how to be okay with my body, how it naturally is. And he said, well, you don't have to do that. Like if you're more comfortable shaving or you're, you feel more confident shaving then that's okay. Which is totally true. But like I was explaining earlier, you know, I was thinking on what he said and I was like, But the problem is that that shame's not going to go away. Like Mm -hmm. I'm still going to feel shame about my body and how God created it unless I actually do the hard work and confront that shame, which in this case has a lot to do with my body image. So I, I was thinking about how maybe some people don't so aggressively like kind of turn hard into that insecurity that might not be helpful for you. For me, that's how I've kind of always dealt with. Um, My issues is like, okay, well, I can't just dip my toes in the water because it's just going to take longer. It's like ripping off a Band-Aid, you know? Mm-hmm. So for me, it's just the, the number one thing is recognizing that, like, okay, dilly-dallying around with this issue is going to elongate this whole process and it's no. going to be more painful. I'm really just going to jump right in and... Kind of almost overcorrect. So that's, like, my my way of doing things. I know maybe not for everybody that works, but I think it's, generally speaking, a pretty good philosophy. <laughs> kind of rem- reminiscent of... Is it, does Jesus or Paul talk about cutting off the limb if it causes you to sin?
0: Oh, that was Jesus. Okay.
1: Uh, not, not to confuse the two, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> When Jesus talks about, you know, cut off the limb if it makes you sin, that to me is like the mindset, even when approaching shame. Because ultimately, if we are pledging our allegiance to shame instead of who Christ has called us to be, and that's it creating disobedience in our life, then like it is sin. So, yeah, that's my like number one, number one tip <laughs> is to just. <laughs> Do it, like just jump in, do a little bit of that overcorrecting. And also, therapy. Therapy, I could not speak m- more positively about. It has been so helpful to me. I think as the years go on, like there's less and less stigma around therapy. But mm-hmm. I know even like when I was first saved, there was kind of this attitude towards therapy that, like, and I know not every Christian will relate to this, but if I did, somebody else probably does. But there was kind of this attitude towards therapy that, like, we don't need it because Jesus is our healer. And it kind of just really separated that secular from the sacred, mm-hmm. as if God can't use or doesn't use people to help heal people, <laughs> which is like, no, no, no. <laughs> I know. <laughs> exactly. And uh, I mean, I've grown and learned, but God, I mean, his primary resource is his people. I guess just an encouragement to Christians out there, if you feel hesitant or like that makes you like trust less in God, just know that God, he's in a partnership with us and that includes our therapists. So God really used my therapist, Dr. Landman. He really used her to, like, heal deep parts of me and, like, give me the tools to continue my healing as a lifelong process. She's not even a Christian, but that doesn't matter. Like, she's got the tools and, you know, they're all still gods anyway, even if she doesn't recognize that. So (laughs) one of the tools that she gave me that I feel like was the most influential in, like, my healing Was called Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. It's so simple. Like, I feel like when I say it and I I really feel passionate about it, (laughs) people are going to be
0: like, that's it. But it is (laughs) so, I mean... It has a fancy name for something that is already in the Bible.
1: Yes, exactly,
0: exactly. They
1: define Cognitive Behavioral Therapy as a talking therapy that can help you manage your problems by changing the way that you think and behave. It works based on the concept that your thoughts, feelings, physical sensations, and actions are all interconnected, and that negative thoughts and feelings trap you in a vicious cycle. So, I mean, it's so simple and very intuitive. Especially as Christians, we know that everything is connected. Our Western culture has kind of tapped us out of connection with like, our bodies and our emotions, and mm-hmm. sometimes we may not even realize just how interconnected everything is. But it is. We know that that when we approach a problem, the best way to approach it is holistically. Mm-hmm. So taking into consideration the spiritual, the, the physical, the mental, all of it together because they all intertwine and affect each other. So I'll, I guess I'll just give you an example of how my therapist worked this with me. So she, she gave me this list of beliefs, just on a piece of paper, all written out. Like, I believe, so it was in regards to, like, a specific event that we were going through. That'll help make this more sense. But it would ask, like, I believe that I did what I could with the tools I had. I believe I didn't do enough. I believe, et cetera. And it had, like, just a list of all of these. The first list was the all of the negative ones. So, like, I, I believe that I didn't do enough. I believe I could have done better. There's, it's a big list, mm-hmm. and so she had me go through them and like pick out the negative beliefs that I have about a specific event or person or like relationship. She had a couple of different things that she would do with me that that were intertwined into like different t- kinds of therapies. So I'll just try and isolate CBT. But then we would replace those with positive thoughts so like instead of I didn't do enough or I didn't show up like I was supposed to I would repeat to myself I did the best I could with the tools I had and I was right where I needed to be when I needed to be there hmm. and you know we would like kind of concrete those beliefs in using different types of therapy like EMDR or um like visualization therapy. So I would like visualize this little container in my brain and I would put the negative thoughts in there and close it.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then, and then I would explore the positive thoughts or whatever. So, um, so that's CBT. I kind of went on a little bit of a tangent with other therapies that are there, but they're both also useful if, especially for like trauma therapy. So CBT has been really helpful to me because she helped me, kind of locate and be able to articulate those negative thought patterns and different thinking errors, quote unquote, um, is what she called them, of like, uh, this is helpful for people with anxiety. So one thinking error is like catastrophizing, Mm -hmm. catastrophizing, (laughs) catastrophizing, okay, okay, Um, a situation which I do, all the time. I mean, much less now than I used to, thankfully. But um, so when I catch myself doing that, you know, thinking of the worst case scenario and just spiraling out of control, I can stop it in its tracks now because I actually can recognize that it's happening Mm -hmm. rather than it feeling like it's happening to me, you know? And then I can use that CBT and say, okay, right now I'm feeling like if I don't constantly check on my son every minute of every hour then somehow he's just going to die and like it's going to be my fault because I wasn't there where I needed to be I can once I recognize that I'm like catastrophizing I can then say okay what is like the root thought here and I can locate those thoughts like I just explained and then I can say that's not true Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and replace it with the truth like My son is healthy, he's doing great, God is with us, and he is good no matter what happens any day, and I can't control what that outcome is in the end. And it's just, it's so simple. I mean, at first, it really did feel like a lot of work, though, because, like, that's a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Eventually, you work out that cognitive muscle, and you learn how to do it. And, you know, then correcting your thoughts takes way less energy than letting yourself spiral, you know? Right. Um, So, yeah, that's that's kind of what I do day to day and how I use CBT day to day.
0: Well, that's awesome. Yeah, it basically is what the Bible talks about in renewing our minds. And not every thought that enters our minds is correct or necessarily worth keeping in our minds right exactly yes which
1: was like the hardest thing that i had to come to terms with because i was like really hell-bent on somehow being justified and i mean what i i really just needed somebody to listen to me and like tell me that they heard me which a therapist is great for it turns out (laughs) um (laughs) So I was like really hellbent on hanging on to those intense emotions and thought patterns because I just felt like, well, nobody's like telling me that they see the struggle. (laughs) Like they, nobody's telling me that, that I, they see me hurting and like, I just feel alone. And how am I supposed to let go of this and all this stuff? And I had to just be like, Actually, it's okay if an anxious thought comes into my mind. I don't have to figure out if it's true or, like, worth it or not. I can just let it go. Mm -hmm. Nobody has to know it was there. I can just, like, let it pass. And for me, that was really difficult to grasp because I think in our culture especially, we're very obsessed with um, being justified in our emotions Yeah, I I had to learn that, like, okay, it's okay for me to let these thoughts pass. I don't have to hang on to them. And in fact, instead, I can, like you said, renew my mind and really take those thoughts captive.
0: Mm -hmm. That's so good. So good. We are not a victim to just every thought that comes in our head. Right, right. Believe me, I love being organized just as much as the next person, but I have found a pattern in my life when I try to use a basic planner. It goes like this. I'm going strong, writing down what I need to do, until Thanksgiving comes around. And then I forget the planner exists until the new year. In January, I'm committed and excited to get organized, but once March hits, I can't even find the thing anymore. Have you ever experienced this? Do you ever feel like you want to get organized but just don't have the time to? Let me tell you about Life in Order. Life in Order is a business that makes 100% customized bullet journals to help set you up to thrive in your goals, business, relationships, and personal growth. My bullet journal has been a game changer for me, and the best part about it was that it was already set up for what I personally needed in my life. Now I can keep track of how much water I drink and how often I'm journaling. I also requested to put a page in there specifically dedicated to honeybees, because who doesn't need more honeybees in their life? You can find Life in Order's products on Etsy.com today to get your own bullet journal set up for your unique lifestyle. You can also use the code Jenny15, that's J-E-N-N-Y-1-5, to get 15% off your personalized journal today. So I highly encourage you take initiative to order one and your future self will personally come back to you of today. And thank you. So out of all the goodness that you've shared with us today, if you could just leave a listener with some kind of final encouragement, what would you say to them? Okay. Oh my gosh. So much, so much. Hopefully (laughs) uh, if I get too long winded, just
1: cut the call. <laughs> <laughs> <But> <laughs> I think it's really important that you are getting the help that you need. It is very difficult to overcome shame. I mean, it is the most painful part. Arguably, the most painful part of our human experience, and it is one that separates us from God and separates us from people, which is I mean, that is exactly how the enemy steal, kill, steals, kills, and destroys And we were meant to be in communion with God and with people. I mean, that's his whole design. So it's just, it's really important to confront it and reach out and get the tools you need to confront it. Um, And then the other thing I would say in regards to, I guess, as an encouragement, is that like, you can just rest. I honestly can't tell you how exactly I, I came to understand this. And I'm sure there's still so much, I mean, I know there's still so much more for me to learn about God's grace and ridding myself of shame. It's going to be a lifelong process. I can't tell you how I got here, though. Like, it's really just a work in my heart by God. But I can say that it took me being honest with myself and being willing to confront shame, no matter how painful, and counteract it with the word. I guess what what I'm thinking of is just like, (laughs) your shame is lying to you. My shame told me that I was somehow going to be less valuable once I became a mom and that I was losing something of myself that was really important in regards to how people perceived me and how I even felt about myself. But the truth is that becoming a mother... Taught me even more what it, of what it looks like to be like Christ. Every day I get up and I'm I am at the beck and call <laughs> of my little human, and like it's my joy to be his servant. It's my joy to take care of him, and be selfless and give all that I have for him in hopes that he would grow up to be like me, modeling Christ, and. I would have never, I, I mean, I didn't lose anything of myself that wasn't supposed to be there in the first place. That's that is very long winded, but <laughs> your shame, your shame is lying to you. And the thing that you're ashamed of or scared in regards to the fear of man, scared about, God is just going to use that thing to make you more like Him, no matter what that outcome is. Um, which is like, you know, then you just have to ask yourself, well, is that? Is that really what I want? Or am I more concerned with becoming more like the people around me?
0: Thank you so much, Victoria, for being on this episode. It was a joy to have you on for time two. Two times. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was a great time. Great time. To any listeners out there that this remotely, even a little bit, benefited you, go ahead and just Share this with someone that you know also could benefit from it. Share it on your Instagram story or text it to them. We just hope that everyone listening to this will become convicted of, you know, am I living for man or am am I living for God? Because it's not exactly something that can coexist together. Right, right. And just a little
1: tip for you everybody struggles with yeah everybody struggles with shame so you can Mm -hmm. send this to everybody you know
0: Mm -hmm. literally go ahead right now (laughs) (laughs) awesome thank you so much victoria thank you so much for listening to this episode of head to heart podcast it's a joy to record them and a joy to have you listen if you have any topics in mind you'd like us to cover go ahead and send us a message on instagram the handle is head to heart underscore podcast. Make sure you subscribe as a way of making sure you never miss an episode. And if you would be so kind, go ahead and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps out the show so much when you do. We'll be releasing episodes to you every other Friday. So stay tuned and thanks for joining us.